0: Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. I am leaving that in the podcast. Psalms
1: tonight. Psalms. Um I just wanted to like what I want to do with this is I'm just gonna kinda of give a real overview of the first eight that we've read mm-hmm. and then open it up to questions and we'll try to get some good conversation going here. Hopefully as you've been reading, you've been marking and making some notes and <clears throat> thinking of some things. An old preacher I once knew said you should never read your Bible unless you have a notebook and a pen right next to it, so that you can jot down things and thoughts that come to mind as you, as you read, um, just, a, just a thought there. But Psalm chapter 1 starts off with that, the fam- you know, you've got some famous verses in these first eight Psalms, you know, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does meditate day and night. And then he goes on to talk about the blessedness of meditating on the word, you know, fruitfulness and, and <coughs> rivers of living water in your life. And um, and then contrast the, the ungodly, how they're not like that. They're like the chaff that just blows away. Anybody know what chaff is? <laughs> it's like, it's from... Um, <coughs> When you take, like, with wheat, yes. when you take, like, what, the grain or whatever, and Ow. then what's left is just kind of like. The holes, the yeah, very just, lightweight. Right. And yeah, just it just like blows. Blown it. away by the wind. Yeah. If you take, uh, if you if you're ever near a wheat field and you grab a, a couple of heads off the wheat and you put it between your hands and you crush it like that, and then just open your hands and go real lightly, you'll blow away all the husks and you'll have the grains left. And that's really what when Jesus' disciples were accused of working on the Sabbath. That's what they were doing. They were walking through the wheat fields, and they were going like that and, and then eating the grain. They were hungry. And the Pharisees were accusing them of working on the Sabbath because they went like this. <laughs> that's work. You know. So, uh, but, they, but the ungodly are like chaff. And then we get to Psalm 2, which is the first messianic psalm. Um, uh, over in verse 3... Um, I'm sorry. Verse seven. I'm Skipping ahead in my notes. Um, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. For God gave so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son. Ask of me, and I'll give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, dash them like pieces, and pos- uh, dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Um, this is the this is the Psalm actually that uh, Satan used. Try to tempt Christ. Um, those of you that were at Friendly a couple weeks ago and heard me preach the three, the triple threat sermon, we talked about this. How Satan took that and tried to give Jesus all the things that God promised him in Psalm two, without having to go to the cross. So this is the very first messianic psalm, and you'll see a lot of messianic psalms as we go through here. Uh, psalms that look forward to David's just writing about himself, basically, but. Uh, and not realizing that God is having him prophetically write things that will be true of the Messiah that is to come. Uh, Psalm 3 talks about how to, how to respond when others seek your hurt. Verse 3 of, verse of, of, of uh, Psalm 3. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, the lifter up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. And I awakened, and the Lord sustained me. Well, it starts off with, how many are they that are increased that trouble me? Those that rise up against me. This is how you respond. God, you're my shield, my glory, the lifter up of my head. You know, I cried, and you heard my voice. I laid down and slept, and I awoken because you sustained me. What do you do when people are coming against you? You trust the Lord. That's it. You just trust the Lord. You call on him. You, you declare he's your shield your buckler your strength he's the one who sustains you and then go to sleep rest you know that there's a it's, a it's interesting when you read your bible in the new testament you see the word faith all the time right but in the old testament you only see the word faith a couple times what you see in the old testament is the word trust that's the old testament version of faith and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a concept of faith that we lose a lot these days. We say we have faith in God, but we don't really trust him by the way we act, right? We say, oh, I have faith in God. I'm going to go out and get this done because i got to get this done. You know, I've, I've asked God to help me, but i got to get this done. i gotta, I got to do what I, what's got to be done, right? And we don't really, really trust God like we should. Um, then Psalm 4, we talked about, it talks about how to deal with anger. The very first sermon I ever preached from a pulpit, September 1997 at Harony Missionary Baptist Church. Um, I preached Psalm 4, and um, it was this verse that got me to preach that. Verse 4 of Psalm 4, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul paraphrases this and says, Be angry, but don't sin in it. And don't go to bed in wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Basically, it's okay if you're angry. There's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is a good emotion, but give it its right place. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it overtake you. Instead, stand in awe of God, trust Him, and get it settled before you go to sleep. Because if you go to sleep angry, if you go to sleep with negative emotions running through your brain, your unconscious mind becomes the playground of the enemy. And sometimes you wake up believing the things you dreamed. And you can't get past that, you know? You just wake up and you start believing the things that you dreamed. And you start creating what my wife calls creating scenarios, Oops. false scenarios. And you start believing them. Well, they must be mad at me because they haven't called me in two days, right? <coughs> <laughs> and then you start believing it. Then, then, then it just goes from there and the devil just keeps creating more and more false scenarios in your mind. And you start believing those as well. So how do you, how do you deal with those that are trying to hurt you? Trust the Lord. How do you deal with anger? Get it out. Mm-hmm. Finish it, go to sleep. Right? Get it right with God before you go to sleep. You know, you see over and over again when you talk, and we're gonna talk, we're talking about prayer in these next two Psalms. When you see prayer in the Bible, what you see is calls to pray now. Not later, now. Pray now. Pray about this now. Pray where you're at. Don't call your pastor and ask him to pray for you. You pray. After you prayed, call your pastor and ask him to pray for you. But pray first, you know, pray now, get this done, get, you know, get this, get this request before God, don't fall into the trap, don't get overly Calvinistic and all kinds of things going, well, God already knows my need, so I don't need to talk to him about it. Yeah, he already knows your need, but he needs you to talk to him, right? When my boys were growing up, I usually knew when they did something bad, just parents, Your parents probably knew when you did the stuff you shouldn't have done. I just needed them to come to me and say, hey, I did this. You know, I just wanted, I wanted them to come, I wanted them to come to me and say, hey, I messed up. This is where I messed up. I didn't want to have to be the one. I also like to add uh, that you need you to come to him. So it's like a mind and a heart change and also like when you come to God, it's not only he needs you to come to him, yeah. but the fact that you're going to humble yourself to come <coughs> before him. Exactly. You're yeah. just taking yourself aside and just right. walking over your own. Yeah. If we don't come to him, then we don't believe his grace is enough. In First right. uh, John, it talks about how there's no fear in love, that fear has to do
0: with punishment. And I feel like that's a big thing is that we fear that like we've messed up too, too big this time from to accept
1: us back my friend Ron Sears always said you gotta remember that children of God never get punished they get chastened there's a difference between chastening and punishing punishment is corporal it's uh, not just corporal chastening can be corporal but punishment is vindictive it's you did bad you're gonna pay for it and we're gonna make sure you pay for it it's putting you in jail and that kind of thing chastening is in love causing pain in someone's life to help them understand what they need to do it's getting them to a point of repentance and say okay this is these are the consequences if I do this so I need to be I need to be chastened you know so when I'm angry at my enemy I go to God when I'm just angry I got to go to God you know um, and then uh, uh, wait a second where was that Oh, yeah, I was in verse 4. Okay, now verse 5. How to pray about your enemies. Not just how to pray when you're being hurt, but how do you pray about your enemies? Look at verse of Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King, and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice will hear you in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I'll direct my prayer up to thee and look up. For you are not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. You hate all workers of iniquity; thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I'll come into your house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness, because of my enemies. Make my way straight. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inner parts is very wicked. Their throats an open sepulchre. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. This I thought of you when I read this, Mason, because you've been talking a lot about correcting people. Mm -hmm. You know, when is it right? When is it wrong to correct people? And David here has gotten to the point where he's like, there's no repentance. There's no remorse. There's no. it's just. I've gotten to the point of no return with these people. So God. Destroy them. Just, just destroy them. Take them out. You know, and you know, and it, is it wrong to pray that? Sometimes it can be, but sometimes it's okay to pray that. What does God say in Isaiah one eighteen? Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord of hosts. Right? That your sins be scarred, they be white as snow. That word "reason" in the the Hebrew is actually a pretty violent word. God's actually saying, "Come on, argue with me." Yell at me. Get it out. Tell me how much you hate this situation. You know, if you ever, if you ever get the chance, if you ever find it, it's not in print anymore. But the Gospel According to Moses by Athol Dixon. Athol spent a year in a synagogue study with some Jewish friends. He's a Christian, and a Jewish friend asked him to join their their Bible study in the synagogue. So he went to Jewish Bible study for like a year, and he walked away from that. And he wrote the book, this book, The Gospel According to Moses, about that experience. He said, he said, Here's what Christians have lost. Christians have lost the ability to argue with God. We think it's rude and improper to argue with God. Jews argue with God every day. You ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? All the time. You, you need to watch that movie sometime. You know, Tevi is constantly arguing with God. Constantly. You know, and uh, hey. Oh, no problem. Um, So, you know, you got to learn to argue with God. I mean, that's what, that's, it's okay. You're allowed to. I've told some of you this story before, but, you know, um, one of the best leadership lessons I ever learned was from my own personal Lieutenant Dan. Um, He was my lieutenant when I was in the transportation unit in the Sheriff's Department. And he taught me that people just need to be hurt sometimes. And he had a standing policy. You could cuss him out if you needed to. But after you were done, you had to walk around the jail a couple times, get it out of your system, come back, and everything would be okay. But if you had something to say, say it. And, I mean, there were times I would just stand in his office and just scream at him, tell him what an idiot I thought he was. And he'd look at me and go, you done? Yep, okay, take a hike. I go out, <laughs> walk a couple laps, come back in and be like, you see that game last night? And we were cool. You know, I mean, I was just a deputy first class. And he's a lieutenant, and I was just ripping him apart. You know, I applied that in my own, uh, in in the church. And I've had guys in my churches just yell at me, cuss me. And deacons look at me and go, why'd you let him do that? I said, he just needs to be heard. You know, and God understands that. Sometimes we just need to be heard. Sometimes we just need to say what's on our heart. We're in Psalms right now, I'm sorry. Uh, We're in Psalm 5 right now. We're going through the first eight Psalms real quick. Um, So sometimes a person just needs to be heard. God understands that. He knows that sometimes we just need to be heard. Sometimes we need to get it out of our system. Sometimes you just got to have that argument with God. I have had prayer times where I've literally been out in the middle of the woods so nobody would hear me, and I'm screaming at God. And I'm telling him, I can't stand you right now. I'm really, really mad at you. You know, I, I, it's almost as if I hate you right now. And I'm just being honest and raw with him about where I'm at in my life. He understands. doesn't mean I mean all that stuff. Just the emotions I'm feeling at the time. Sometimes we gotta get to that point where we just say what's on our heart to God. You know? There's um, there's a quote that says uh, whenever you're like whenever you're really mad at God, like you're totally close because you can't be mad at somebody who's not not there. It's like really, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Because it's like the next step is like the peace. yeah. You don't get like, mad at the guy on TV who did something bad as much as you get mad at your relative who did something bad. You get madder at close relations more than you do. If, if, you're, if you're mad at God, that means you're getting close to him. And just remember, like T- Keith Green said, he's divine and you're decrepit. He's <laughs> always right and you're always wrong. It's okay. <laughs> you know, our reasoning with God is just, uh, yeah, this is what's on my mind, and then, yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> so, so then we get to Psalm 6, and it's how to pray about your sin. Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Oh, man, I just messed up. Please don't let it be too hard. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? You ever felt that way? How long am I going to How long am I going to fail him? How long am I going to keep doing this stupid thing that I'm doing? How long? Come on, God, please help me get rid of this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want to not do the right thing I know to do, and I don't want to keep doing the wrong thing I know I'm doing. How long? Verse 4, return, O Lord. Deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. Don't save me for my sake. Save me for the sake of your name and your great mercy, so that you can show how wonderful you are. <clears throat> For in death there's no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? Don't let me go to my grave in sin. Get me back before I go that far. Verse 6, I am weary with my groaning. All the night I'll make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. I'm just night sweats and. Balling my eyes out. I've, my, my bed sheets are soaked with my tears. My eye is consumed because of grief. It waxes old because of all my enemies. So depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. All you people that want to point your finger at me because I've done wrong, back off. God's forgiving me. First John 1, 8 and 9. We say we have no sin, we're liars and the truth's not in us, but if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from our sin and forgive us, forgive us of our sin cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So, verse chapter 7. So, we've talked about meditating in the Word, that we had the Messianic Psalm in Psalm 2, how to, re, how to respond when others are trying to hurt you, Psalm 3, how to deal with anger, Psalm 4, how to pray about your enemies, Psalm 5. How to pray about your sin in Psalm 6. And in Psalm 7 is about praying for protection. O oh my Lord God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all those that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he hear my soul, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rendering it into pieces while there's none to deliver. O oh Lord my God, I've done if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that it was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered. Him that is without cause is my enemy. Let the, en- let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, tr- let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Selah. Here's a guy saying, look, if I've done, if I've done something I don't even know about, judge me. Judge me. You know, my, uh, the, the, the assistant pastor at my home church, Bill Gray, for years, He used to say, when you go to bed at night, you ask God to forgive you for everything you knew you did and for all the things you didn't know you did. (laughs) Forgive me for the stuff I did that I don't know, that I'm not aware of. Because we even do that, right? We hurt people and don't even know it. right? That's what he's saying here. Arise up, O Lord, in thy anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of my enemies. And awake for me uh, to the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes. Therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that's in me. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tries the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saves the upright in heart. Here's protection. God, I believe in you. And I believe you're the one that's going to protect me and all these things that are coming after me. Right? And then chapter 8, Psalm 8, the famous what is man, Um, verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor, made him to have a dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, sheep, oxen, Beasts of the field, fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. This is the psalmist just saying, man, you've made all this stuff, and you put me in charge of all of it. What is, man, that you give us dominion over all these things? You do realize that, right? Now, I'm not trying to get political or anything like that. I'm I'm just making a statement from the Bible here. Everything on this earth belongs to us. God gave us everything, all the fish in the sea, all the fowls in the air, all the beasts on the field, all the minerals in the earth, all the oil in the earth, it all belongs to us to do with as we please. Does that mean we just strip mine and and rape the land? No. We have to conserve, we have to we have to make sure we are good. I mean I'm a you know I believe in wildlife conservation, I believe in harvesting animals in a responsible way to ensure that the herd stays because I've seen, I've, we, I lived in Maryland in the 70s when they were not letting us hunt, and we saw the deer overpopulate and start dying of starvation, and the, the looked like boils coming up on them just from being starving because there was no food. And they finally opened it up and opened up the bag limit, and just, and we finally thinned the herd down, and they got healthy again. You know, I believe in conservation, but. We can't get so concerned about saving the earth that we forget that He gave it to us, and that He takes care of the whole thing. You know, God's our, God. Put recycling into, pl- into place from the beginning. The seas roll in, the seas roll out. He washes the shore clean. He takes the waste out. That's what He does. You know, He He. I mean, he, He's created everything. Yeah. To cycle in certain ways, and this earth's gone through cycles. And but we have been given, given dominion over the whole earth. You know, the uh, one thing aside I'll say at the end of this is um, Hebrews chapter two quotes this, and a lot of people take that that as a quote about Jesus, and they say that's Jesus made a little lower than the angels, given dominion. But that's not Jesus. He's talking about mankind there, even there. Um, So when you're reading Hebrews 2 next time, go back to Psalm uh, 8, look at that, and compare the two, and you'll see that that's actually just a a reference to mankind. Mankind's been given dominion of this earth. And the thing is, what's the psalmist saying? Why? What is so special about us that you gave us dominion over all these things? Well, you made us in your image. That's why. Never forget that. You're a child of the king. Amen. Children of the King, act a certain way.
0: Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the Gospel join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.